Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. My worst attribute, I would say, you know, I don't have the can arm like, you know, some guys, but I think there's been a lot of really successful quarterbacks in the league without the, the arm like an Aaron Rodgers, and you make up for it with preparation and timing and accuracy and, and really understanding, you know, the routes that your guys are running. That's Joe Burrow. We're all expecting him to be the number one pick tonight. The Bengals get to make that pick 6 o'clock on ESPN and the NFL Network. Bengals coach Zach Taylor. He's as advertised. All the things we heard about him, we saw from our first meeting with him. And as we've gotten to know him over the last couple weeks. So, number one pick, no drama. Tune in at 6.15, right, PK? Uh, yeah, obviously. It's going to be Joe Burrow. He's as advertised. Well, he's a rookie. And that's what he's advertised as. So it remains to be seen, and that's something that we'll watch in the uh, NFL season, whenever that might be. And that's one of the intriguing aspects. The quarterbacks are always intriguing aspects, whether you're drafted in the first round, whether you're drafted in the sixth round like Tom Brady, and all the rounds in between. We should go through and list all the quarterbacks and what rounds they've been taking at, been taken at. And then Russell Wilson, third round, comes to mind. Dak Prescott, I think, was fourth round. Drew Brees, second round. Yeah, what was it? Was like a first pick of the second he round? Was. So, yep. you know, that's 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 pretty high in my book. I start getting in the third and fourth rounds and all that stuff. And the kid from uh, Oklahoma last year, well, a couple of kids from Oklahoma the last couple of years went number one, and that's fun to watch to see their development, who pans out, and to what level they pan out. And Barrow is the next guy that we'll be following. Of course, we'll also be watching to see a couple of uh, local guys drafted tonight, waiting to see where Jordan Love goes, where Jalen Johnson goes. And if you had to go both first round, neither first round, or one guy or the other, I think the odds are both. But I don't feel like either guy's a complete 100% lock for the first round. Probably, what, Jalen Johnson, 90% chance he goes in the first round. Jordan Love, maybe a little less confidence, 80%. Uh, Jordan Love, I'd give 100% in the first round because you're a quarterback. And Jordan Love is in a situation where I find a lot of envy because he's not going to go as high as the others, right? So the reality is he's actually probably going to go to a better team. You know, you know, Mahomes can sit for a year, basically, and then take over. Aaron Rodgers can sit for two or three years and then take over. So potentially going later is not necessarily that bad. Now, financially, I guess you want to go as high as you can because that's where you're going to make your most money. But I think he's going to go because of the position he plays. And I've fought Jalen Johnson for two years now as a first-round talent. So I, for me, because I have a bias with Jalen Johnson, seeing him play every single game, talking to him after practice many, many times, knowing what he's about, I think he's about a 98% chance to go in the first round. But that there's some bias there. Tampa Bay Bucks tight end Rob Gronkowski, introductory press conference says that he hinted to Tom Brady about a return two months ago. They worked out before Brady signed with Tampa Bay. We rarely talked about what his decision was going to be, where I'm at, Gronk said. But we did talk about it for one second, and I told him, we just talked real quick. It's like, hey, I'm kind of getting that fire underneath me again. 
You're really getting that fire, or do they just not want to be Patriots anymore? Moving on. Seems a little convenient. I, I can't answer that, man. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know what what soured Ronkowski on uh, New England that he had to get away virtually at all costs. I don't know. Saints coach Sean Payton told players Wednesday they will not have any type of offseason program this spring, virtual or otherwise. Take care of your families, take care of your health, and be ready this summer, Payton was quoted as saying. And Mickey Loomis, who's the GM with the Saints, confirmed the coach's comments during his pre-draft news conference. So all the, uh, all the workout, all the OTR stuff they do over the summer, all that, forget about it. See you for camp. It's like the old days, PK. Except players have way more money. They're not working second jobs as substitute teachers and doing whatever else they do. Yeah, that's a good point. It is a throwback. Kyle Whittingham was talking about that on his Zoom conference call the other day where he said that when spring ball was over, it was like, okay, see you when two-a-days start in August, and you better be ready. And, you know, he did it, and many others did it at the college level and pro level. So I don't think it's that devastating. And everyone is doing the same thing, so it's up to the individuals to make sure they're prepared whenever camp reconvenes. NFL Players Association Executive Director Demaris Smith making comments, uh, talking about testing for players as they plan for the 2020 NFL season. Here's the quote. The benchmarks that it seems that are somewhat consistent is the need for mass testing. I haven't heard anyone who hasn't emphasized mass testing in the community for measuring how and to what extent things to can return to somewhat normalcy. I don't have the answers right now. It's a little less confidence than we've heard out of the NFL when we hear the commissioner say, yep, Full speed ahead. We're planning for September. And now we got the Players Association executive director saying, I don't have the answers right now, which is where I think most of us are. Well, yeah, but I think that's political. I think you're going to have every Players Association president and every Players Association uh, agent who's ever in charge, executive director, I guess, and then the Players president. They're all going to be cautious. So I would expect nothing otherwise. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. University of Arizona President Dr. Robert Robbins said Wednesday he does not anticipate the Wildcats playing football this fall, even though the university plans to bring students and faculty back to campus for face-to-face instruction during the fall semester. I'm really concerned about whether we're going to be playing football in the fall, Robbins told KVOIAM in Tucson. My sense right now, I just don't see that happening. Kind of weird. I thought if the students were on campus for face-to-face instruction, then football could be a go. I didn't get why those two things would be separated, but that seems to be what the Arizona president is uh, thinking and planning here. Well, he hasn't seen football being played in the fall down in Arizona and Tucson for many years. So Boom! I say that. Boom! So he hasn't seen good football. <laughs> You, that, if you weren't here fine. yesterday he in the eight o'clock hour, going to be played. Yeah, if you weren't here yesterday in the eight o'clock hour, PK was willing to relegate Arizona. The national columnist got asked that Stuart Mandel in his mailbag. Arizona out. Two win teams, three win teams. Get them out of here. Well, I think they're the obvious choice, but the, the idea being behind his statement is that they didn't say that there would be no football played at all in the 2020 season whenever it's played will be eliminated and washed away so fall winter spring at this point play it and it'd have to carry over winter and spring or whatever it might be 
So be it. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I coached LeBron James for five years. I have a great relationship with him. You know, LeBron did not have the same uh, maybe mindset or, or killer mentality that Michael Jordan is supposed to have had. But, you know, Michael Jordan was just a great player. But I think what set him apart, Harrison, is what you talked about. He just had uh, – he, he would reach into your chest and pull your heart out if he had to to win a game. And, uh, and you don't see that very often. He had that true uh, killer mindset, and uh, he brought it every single night. That's Nuggets coach Mike Malone weighing in on the MJ-LeBron debate. His perspective interesting because he was an assistant and coached LeBron earlier in his career, and his dad was a coach in Toronto and then at several places uh, as an assistant coach. And so growing up, he, uh, he got to follow the, the uh, NBA a lot closer, be a ball boy and all that stuff, be around the club than uh, most of us. So there he is, MJ over LeBron, which I think is what... Don't you think that most people who say it's LeBron are younger? Most people who saw MJ who are older take MJ? I mean, this pretty much breaks along generational lines, doesn't it? As it should, yeah. If you've watched somebody big time, I'm sure if I was uh, 10 years or 15 years older, I'd be screaming for Oscar Robertson. Uh, but I never saw him play. Uh, had the opportunity to interview him at one time when he was on the show, and that was way cool. But I can look up his numbers, but I didn't see him consistently in the way I saw Magic, in the way I saw whomever it might be, you know, Bird, and the, 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 the stars of the 80s. Uh, so, yeah, of course it should be. I don't have any problem with that. Magic, Bird, and Jordan. Those are the guys we watched. Otherwise, we might be more invested in the Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson debates. Oklahoma City Thunder guard Chris Paul, seventh year as the NBA Players Association president, said the NBA will need a runway of at least three or four weeks for players to prepare to return to games again this season. I'm just letting you know, and I don't think the league would do it anyway, but if they were like, hey, you got two weeks and then we're going, that's not going to happen, Paul said via a conference call. That's not going to happen. Whatever the amount of time is, just know the players love input to say so because we're the ones playing. That comes first. We don't ever want to put guys in a situation where their injury risk is higher than ever before. Nothing really surprising in those comments, I would think. Uh, yeah, but uh, let, let's see what happens when they start missing paychecks. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Purdue Graduate Transfer Center. Matt Harms expected to announce where he will transfer. Final three are Kentucky, Texas Tech, and BYU with the Cougars reportedly in the lead as of last night. He's from the Netherlands. He's seven foot three inches tall. He averaged eight and a half points, four and a half rebounds, and a couple blocks a game for the Boilermakers. He can shoot the three a little bit, but 31.6% isn't that outstanding either. PK, didn't we have this conversation a couple weeks ago? I think we had it with Tim Lacombe about when you're a high school kid, you get the whole, hey, I'm down to my final 10, I'm down to my final three, but as a transfer, doesn't that seem a little dramatic? What do you mean? This is a little, hey, look at me. I mean, just pick who you're going to transfer to as opposed to the drama. I'm down to my final three. Oh, I got you. Okay, okay. Okay, I I understand what you... I didn't didn't understand what you said there. Uh, Yeah, but people are hang... uh, What's my... Hounding them, you know, now. Because you are being re-recruited, in in a sense. And who doesn't like attention? Uh, So you got these 
three or four or five, whatever they are, national college basketball guys, not that many. And so they're calling you up and they want to know. So this is your little moment in the sun here because uh, we're just saying he's from the Netherlands. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we have a season after the season is over, if he doesn't have a shot at the NBA, well, it's heading back to the Netherlands. No one's going to interview you again. So <laughs> why not live it up, so to speak, in the moment? And Notre Dame's coach retiring. One of the great names. Muffet. Muffet McGraw. I'm out. 900 wins. NCAA, bunch of Final Fours. Won the championship right in the middle of the uh, Connecticut area. So she's moving along. And taking one of the great names in sports with her. Give me a better name than Muffet McGraw. I was always uh, partial to John Bacabella. That was always uh, fun to say. A former baseball player. I'm not even sure where he played. Uh, but you know, then you had uh, Pete Lecoq. He's one of my favorite names. You know, his dad, Pete Lecoq's dad. You know who Pete, Le- Pete Lecoq's dad was? Peter Marshall. Yeah. Did the Hollywood Squares. Game show. And... Yeah. Speaking of Hollywood Squares, one time Dom DeLuise was in there and one of the contestants wanted to pick him and she called him Dom DeLuise, which I thought was a little <laughs> bit of a slam. Dom DeLuise, and it's Dom DeLuise. She called him Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise. DJ and PK. <laughs> Hashtag Major League Baseball. With the Red Sox situation, there were apparently some some relaying of signs, obviously from the video coordinator, updating the pregame scouting report, if you will, in terms of what signs they tend to use. Okay, they, they'll go second sign, they'll go outs minus one in terms of what the catcher's flash into the pitcher, and updating the information that would make it relevant when there's a runner on second base, uh, which is cheating. It is cheating, no, no question about it, uh, but clearly not quite at the same level of, of the Astros, and, and I think it's it's been dealt with in a enough of a way that, that I think that the teams around baseball have a very clear understanding of what the rules are now and what's acceptable and what's not. John Morosi right there, Fox Sports, talking about the Red Sox cheating. The uh, They crushed the video replay system operator. Now, I don't think, you know, he was innocent in all of this, but PK players make the money and they're the stars and they're skating and the video replay system operator has to be suspended without pay through 2020 uh, the club loses a second round draft pick I mean that's something but they're not, not suspending players without pay you think the video replay system operator went down and told the players how it had to be told the coach and the GM and the owner this is what we're gonna do man going after the private in this guy's army yeah I mean who is the system operator I wouldn't have not known unless it's right here before me with uh, I saw yesterday, obviously, J.T. Watkins. Never heard of him before. But there are no players suspended in this situation. They skated, I guess, and they were the ones that uh, had to execute it. They could have said no. But uh, I don't know if I would have said no in that situation. It's easy for me to criticize people. uh, But I wonder if uh, somebody was giving me the signs, what would I do? in that situation i would love to talk about uh and i agree with you it seems a little silly here that we're going through and suspending some anonymous video systems operator and and cora who did it with two clubs now he's going to be out uh, he didn't have a job because he left the red so- red sox anyway so what's going to happen 
when he's reinstated remains to be seen. Just because you're reinstated doesn't mean you have a job. It's reinstated to what? Uh, but one of these things that uh, you, you, I think you heard uh, Stanton of the Yankees say he hit 80 home runs if he knew the signs. And Mike Trout just smiled and grinned and said, yeah, I'd love to see that happen. Hey, how about that? You got to give him the signs in this this funky season that we're going to come up. Let's see. Let's see what would happen <laughs> if the sign was put up on the scoreboard. Okay. Everybody, everybody, uh, stadium knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but do you get to know location or no? Uh, I don't think they need to know location. They don't need to know. Just because okay. you know location. Uh, because I don't know, because we, we'll, we'll hear all the time that home runs are hit on pitches that were not supposed to be where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just because location, I don't know that every pitcher, every pitch is good enough to hit every single location. But I do know if the batter knows what's coming, basically just go two <laughs> categories, fastball, breaking ball, he can adjust accordingly so whether he knows the location or not isn't as important as opposed to knowing the speed well how many times last season did you hear a player say i was sitting on a fastball i mean if you really knew you would crush it oh yeah 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 i I think that the the numbers would uh they would be astounding (laughs) thanks gordon uh the red sox are removing the interim tag from ron renicky he is the manager 63 years old, and he's replacing uh, Alex Cora, who, as you mentioned, mutually parted ways with the club in January and is now suspended through the 2020 postseason. Of course, the way this season is going, you know, suspended from what? We'll see when he gets the job coming back, but uh, April 23rd, and they're going to have to do something to get pitchers' arms up to speed, so we are crossing days off and condensing the baseball season pretty quickly here. DJ and PK. Golf. Made-for-TV event coming up. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. It's planned for May. Turner Sports, TNT going to handle it. The match, Champions for Charity. It'll benefit uh, coronavirus relief. It's going to air live on TV, on uh, TNT. They're looking at Memorial Day weekend. Undisclosed location, no spectators. It'll be Woods and Manning. Excuse me. Woods and Manning versus Mickelson and Brady. And I guess we'll watch it because there won't be much on, PK. Golf, the tour isn't supposed to be back until June 11th in Texas. So in May, they'll probably get a pretty good audience with this. I agree with you. I think it's a genius idea. It's like this Jordan thing, you know, Sunday night was so much anticipated. Here we are three or four days later. We're still talking about a LeBron or Jordan and the various angles that come from it because we're starved. I texted you on Sunday. I'm so excited to having a TV assignment because I'm used to having one every night, basically, at this time of year with the playoffs going on. And we don't have anything going on right now in terms of live sports. So that Jordan thing became such a big deal and this thing is sort of goofy and I, I want to see I mean I've seen Tiger and Phil play a thousand times right but I would love to see what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady can do you know you see I've seen uh, Manning at the the Pebble Beach thing um, I don't I don't know if I've seen him in the Tahoe thing that they have but I don't know that I've ever seen Tom Brady swing a club so why not yeah if you can do it and it's healthy and it's safe Put it on, man. We, I watched the stupid horse thing. So, sure, I'm going to watch this if I'm available. <laughs> Me too. I'll just confess. 
I, my first instinct was, what are they doing this for? And they're like, well, that's a stupid thing to think. I, I know mean, exactly what they're doing this for. <laughs> they're going to raise money for a charity yeah. everybody cares about. And there's nothing on TV. And TNT programming. So, right. so I wonder if it, they will finally disclose the location or is it going to be undisclosed the whole time? Are they worried like people are going to try to show up? People sneaking onto the golf course? I don't know. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to be here at 830 this morning. Craig Bullerjack at 9 o'clock. Look forward to that. We got the question of the day up on Facebook, and we will get to it next. How impressive is it for Utah? You have up to nine players. Turn out to be NFL draft picks. Your reaction to that? And trust me, there are Ute fans who aren't happy. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. From the Chicago Tribune, he is Phil Rosendahl. You've seen eight of the ten episodes in the Jordan documentary. How painful is it going to become for jazz fans? Well, you know how it ended. That's one thing. <laughs> the truth is, I haven't seen much of the jazz in this. But I will say this. The rivals look formidable in this show. It really comes up when you're talking about teams like the Bad Boy Pistons and the Knicks. You know, these teams they had to pass to get out of the East. I can't see how it would be otherwise with the Jazz. Those series could have gone another way. I sort of remember it as, well, they had Jordan. It was inevitable they would win. It wasn't. There was a fight. And that's part of what makes what Jordan did so impressive. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Question of the day. How impressive is it for Utah to have up to nine players be NFL draft picks? I think the obvious answer is, well, that's really impressive. There aren't that many schools that do it. I'm interested to see when we add it all up, is it going to be three, four, five, six schools? can't imagine it's going to be much more than that, PK. The, the math of it all, there's what, 32, 32 uh, guys in each round and seven rounds. So you're looking at, uh, I'm doing math on the air, like 224 draft picks. And I know Alabama's going to do it, and I know Clemson's going to get there. Ohio State, Utah, maybe a couple other schools. So I think the easy answer is, well, this is really impressive, but guess what? (laughs) What? We found people who could debate that thought. They're stupid. What they have in common is they want the Utes to win the Pac-12 championship, and they are pissed that they did not with nine NFL draft picks. Yeah, I don't. I, I think they missed the point. Steve, I'm disappointed in the way the season ended too. But there are some spoiled fans on this thread. Utah won their division two years in a row. They're one game away from the playoff. Utah, little old Utah. This senior class was incredible. So grateful for their contributions. I would say back-to-back double-digit win seasons is pretty impressive. Well, it's nine and five, and then eleven and three. So twenty wins total, but not back-to-back double-digit win seasons. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't. 
Just like the weather today, you're raining on their parade. <laughs> Oops, forgot about that. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, first of all, you got to get rid of the little old Utah mentality. That's gone. That was the next that's, post. That's just... Little old Utah? We're in the Pac-12 now. The greatest period of weeding out Mountain West talent overachieving is over and has been over. I totally agree with that. Yes, you're not little old Utah. You're on par with uh, everybody else. I mean, you have significant advantages in being in Salt Lake City, and I don't think people realize that for what what we have to offer as a market and as a football frenzied uh, city, college football, it is just so huge, and kids eat that up. They want to go where it's a big, big deal, and that's why anybody and everybody from Vegas, what do they do? They all have one thing in common. They leave. <laughs> No passion in Vegas, and Utah, Oregon, and USC are clearly the leaders when it comes to the game and having passionate crowds at home game. Washington can join that crowd, too, depending on probably how good their team is. I still think it's a pretty good environment up there. I think that's the same thing with Tempe. I, I think history has shown that in Tempe, if they win, the folks will come out. You go, just look at the Oregon game last year. And actually, they were riding a four-game losing streak at that point. But uh, listening to Herm talk about the atmosphere, if they're good enough, they'll come out. That's for sure. Uh, And they've had basically uh, 30 years of – you look at all the stuff, uh, that Pac-12 sports, Pac-12 Twitter handle, when they have whatever whatever number list they have – the Devils are usually right smack in the middle. <laughs> That's who they've been. <laughs> they're not way down at the bottom. They're not way at the top. But they're in the middle. And the occasional decent year that they have, the folks will turn out. I think Washington's a little bit better there. Although I've been in Washington where it hasn't been that good. Uh, the last time, not this last year. Well, last year wasn't sold out either for that matter. The last two times I've been to Washington uh, to see the Utes play, which would have been last year and then, of course, three years ago because that's what the rotation would be as long as they're playing and Washington's not off the rotation to be on the schedule. It would be every other year. Uh, the place has not been uh, jammed by any stretch. Uh, there were plenty of seats available. So uh, if they win, though, the folks will come out. But in our market here, man, there is so much passion. You're literally competing with nothing. The only thing you're competing with is BYU in terms of attention, and to a lesser extent, Utah State at that time of year. Obviously, overall, you're competing with national situations, the NFL, and then obviously the Jazz. But little old Salt Lake, little old Utah, nope, not anymore. That is a a relic now, and that's not where we're at. You're paying your coach $4 million bucks, and that's right there with just about anybody in the conference. And a record showed you you spent the most on recruiting of the uh, 10 public schools, the two privates don't have to report, but uh, the two public school or the 10 public schools, you're, you're right there. And I've been in these places in your facilities and all that stuff. And especially when this South thing gets done here, which it's supposed to be in a year or two, whenever it is, you, you got everything you need and you're expected to win. That, that's the great thing about it now. It's not a surprise. You still have some national media that are still left over with that attitude. And in terms of that, that, that actually works to your advantage because then they praise the Utes like crazy. But it's not about little old Utah. It's about how good they are. Yeah, and they haven't won at all. 
There's no, and there's frustration when you come close and you don't get it done. I get that. But I think what people need to understand, the draft picks here, why this is so significant, is because it's about continually building. You're continually building a program. It's something that you're never stopping to do because if you stop to do it, if you don't start, if you, if you stop doing it, I should say, well, then you're in a whole lot of trouble. So you've got to keep doing it every year. That's the thing about recruiting is this job literally is never over doesn't matter what you did last year you've got to continue to do it do it do it do it do it and having all these draft picks is going to help you do it do it do it that's why this is so huge four years at the most you're losing nfl guys after three years so you really yeah. can't get away with that many bad recruiting classes uh what's right? done no. once upon a time florida state and miami were loaded with nfl draft picks they were the ones getting nine guys drafted and they won like it and, you know, Florida State won two national titles, but, man, they were always in the top five, always in the top five, just year after year after year. And now it's not happening anymore. Well, we need to only look as far as Provo. You know, they're probably not going to have anybody drafted. And uh, you could say, well, Bushman and Tonga would have been drafted. Well, they're not being drafted. <laughs> so, because if they would have been drafted this year, great. But then what about next year? They wouldn't be available to be drafted next year. And that that's BYU's professional guys has taken a hit. The numbers are down. You know, what, what, what do they say? How many guys played off that uh, 83, 84, 85 era? Oh, it was a huge Wasn't it like list. 15 guys or something? Yeah, it was huge. I'd have to yeah. look it up to get the right number, but it was massive. And they didn't right. all come out the same year, but you can look back and say, right. they just had NFL guys all over the field. Yeah, that's what I said. I said 83, 84, 85, right. that whole time right. that they had that. And I, and I opened up the Sports Pack 12, and it has NFL draft picks over the last five years. So the leader, just in the last five years in the conference, is Washington with 24, uh, SC with 23, Stanford with 22, actually UC Los Angeles 22 also, and then Utah is coming in next at uh, 19. Oregon only has 13. Well, that's they had a 4-8 and eight season within the last five years, right? So, of course, that's going to be that situation, right? So I, I gave you the top half of the conference, and not coincidentally, Washington, and it also has the, in parentheses the number of wins, Washington in the last five years has the, number of, uh, the highest number of 24 NFL draft picks, and not coincidentally has had the highest number of wins at 47. The It goes right down the list. 47 wins for Washington, which was number one in both categories. So so number of draft picks versus wins. So you got Washington at 24-47. Does that make sense? And then USC at 23-42. Stanford at 22-43. The outlier, and you got Utah at 19-46. and 46. The outlier is what's going on in Westwood because they had 22, which ties for third, but in the last five years, they've only had 25 wins. So you Ute fans, you're frustrated that Utah hasn't gotten where you want them to go? How about down there in L.A. with the Bruins? They've had 22, which is only two away from number one, but yet they've only cashed in with 25 wins on that. That's pathetic. I saw that list, and that was the one that just jumped right out at you. The rest of the whole whole list made a lot of sense. There was a correlation between NFL guys and wins, but UCLA didn't. Sure. Uh, I did look up the the NFL draft and BYU in 81. Now, it wasn't 80 the year that they were undefeated and then lost the bowl game. Easier. They won the Holiday Bowl. 80 was the Miracle Bowl. Miracle Bowl, yeah. Okay, so the 81 
81 draft, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 guys drafted. Huge year. Now they had more rounds, though, though didn't they? Uh, let's see. In 81, yes, there were guys. Two guys went in the eighth round. I was going to say, there, there were more than seven rounds at that point. Uh, but that's still, yeah. that's still uh, plenty of fourth and sixth round guys and all that. Uh, and then you look in uh, 84, the year Steve Young, um, Gordon Hudson, Todd Shell. They had three guys in the first round of the 84 draft. That's pretty impressive. Followed up with five more guys drafted in the first seven rounds in 85, and then they backed it up again in 86 with five more guys drafted. Now, only two would have been in a seven-round draft. Three of them came later. Kurt Gavea had a long career. Uh, so did Vaisika Emma, eighth and tenth-round guys. So maybe those are the guys. You know, we always say you can make it uh, without being drafted, and they're guys who go to the Pro Bowl right. who weren't drafted. So the the school, st- the team still had the talent. It just didn't get recognized in the draft. But Vicek and Kirk Gavea both played in the NFL a long time. You can tell who you are. The Pro Bowl, that means something to you. The rest of us, the Pro Bowl, huh? What? <laughs> Yeah, the game doesn't matter, but the guy's getting selected to it. it. You know, you're you're a pretty good NFL player. You're not just, you know, guy 48 down there at the end of the bench getting in on a few special teams plays. I read uh, what uh, Jay I Drew know, wrote. I don't watch the game. I read what Jay Drew wrote in the, about the uh, draft, and he went back and pointed out 2009 was the last time BYU had two guys drafted in the same draft. Austin Colley went in the fourth round, and Fui Vakabuna went in the seventh. And so now we are more than a decade past that, and they are not able to replicate that. Maybe next year. I mean, since both guys came back, I guess one could have come back and one could have left. And But it would seem like next year they would get two guys drafted. But once every 12 years getting two guys drafted, that's that's not what you're shooting for. Oh, no, obviously not, no. That's not good at all, and that's reflective in your record. So this is – you can – I don't know what's happening maybe because of the uh, amount of coaches that have changed over in Westwood, but the rest of them, pro draft picks versus wins, there's a direct correlation there. And, yeah, you haven't won it, but it's hard to win the conference. There's there's teams that you're, – you're only going into your 10th season – there's teams that are going into their 50th season since they last won it, or in the case of Arizona, literally have never won the thing. They've they're never they have never won, and it's 40 plus years since they've joined the conference. And in your they had a great season that Desert Swarm thing. I think they were 12 and one or something along those lines, and they still didn't win. It, it's hard to do. It really is. And when you do it, and I don't say if you do it, I say when you do it, you're going to know how, just how hard it is. It's because it's, it's like trying to win an NBA title, man. And very few teams get the opportunity to do it. And it's the same thing in uh, college football. Uh, and it's the same thing in this conference when you can stub your toe against just about any team, literally any team. Not, you can't say that every single year, but if you, you can't say that about every team is capable of beating you. But if you follow what I'm saying, I can't say every team, but I could say any team. And I know you're like, well, what am I talking about? Well, 
It's just that, okay, there might be a year where whatever team really, really stinks, so they've got no shot. But there's another year where a team that should have no business beating you does. Just look at Oregon and the Devils last year, especially at the time that game started with the one team on a four-game losing streak and the other team was on a, what, an eight-game winning streak and maybe even a nine-game. I'd have to go back and look it up, uh, and they lose. It's just really hard, and if you are producing draft picks, you're in the mix, and in order to win, you obviously have to be in the mix, and if you're in the mix, at some point, you're going to get it done. UCLA hasn't won the conference since 98. They are sitting on a, what, 21 years now without doing it, and the funny thing is that they aren't even in the worst half of the league in that regard. Think about that. More than half the league has gone 20 years or more. I mean, Utah and Colorado have never won it. They've only been in it 10 years, so that's kind of weird. But if you look at the other 10 teams, and if you don't give teams, you can't do it anymore. We don't have shared titles anymore. But when they did have shared titles, if you look at who got the Rose Bowl because they won head-to-head, and so you throw it because ASU did share a title, but head-to-head, USC got the the Rose Bowl berth. So if you don't don't count that, it's – Oregon, Washington, USC, and Stanford. Those four teams have cleaned up everything since Washington State went to the Rose Bowl uh, in 2002. That is a long long run. There's eight teams hoping, and there's four teams getting it done. So it's like you said, the old Phil Mickelson thing. Stay in the hunt, stay in the hunt, and one time you got to pull it off. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles coming up in 45 minutes. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Utah, Spencer Cox. Where we, If I could deliver a swab test right now and an antibody test to every person in the state of Utah, we could open up our economy completely tomorrow. We would know who has the disease. We could isolate them. We would know who has had it already. We would know how far widespread it is. That's where we want to get to. Is that the level we're going to need to get to from a testing standpoint before we start putting people back in stadiums and arenas across the country? Maybe. I do see a path for some of these with the tests that are going now where this summer we could have some antiviral medications that significantly reduce the loss of life and hospitalization. Once we get to that phase, then I think that's a game changer and would allow us to have some of these bigger sporting events sooner rather than later. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, what'd you watch last night? If you're about anything good, pass it along. We're all blowing through the shows. We're binge-watching. Knocked out a couple more episodes of The Office. I find him watching less TV than I was a month ago, PK, and it's just because the weather is better. Any chance to stay outdoors, on the deck, doing yard yard work or eating outside or whatever, soaking up the summer. Seems like the TV viewing's down probably uh, like an hour a day, maybe two hours a day. You've got a deck? Yeah, I have a deck. And Yach, as we know, it's a big deck, right? It really isn't. It's a skinny deck. <laughs> it's a skinny deck. Yeah, it's not. You, you oh, go outside, on. but you can't. Like, if I take what, two steps, that, I'm at the rail. Will the albino alligator jump up and bite you? If you'd... Yeah, I didn't want to build out over the moat. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got a deck, man. The guy's got a deck. Jeez. <laughs> And he, he, he's, he's so presumptuous, he doesn't even realize, yeah, I'm out on the deck. 
Excuse me for a second. You didn't realize. Well, in our apartment, it was sounds. the veranda, and now it's the deck. <laughs> yeah, in your apartment 35 years ago. <laughs> 20 got a big TV. <laughs> He's got a deck and a big TV. Holy freak. He didn't even realize he's bragging. That's what makes it so beautiful. Telling it like it is. So what'd you watch? Good for you. I always have problems with reality. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. I agree. <laughs> oh, what I watched, uh, you got me, you said yesterday about watching dumb NFL drafts. Yeah. So I came across the, the 2014 draft. And I did tune in for a little bit. How much is a little bit? I'm because watching it. I felt a little guilty about that because it came on. I looked at it. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'll bet I watched less than five minutes of it. <laughs> and I did feel like, man, I kind of oversold that on the radio. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, I probably watched three picks. I watched him uh, cooks. Remember him from Oregon State, the receiver still uh-huh. in the league. He had a big game here. Rice Eccles, the Sean Mannion. I think they uh, they came in Oregon State and beat the Utes that year. Two thousand uh, was it two thousand thirteen? Because it was the two thousand fourteen draft, and he went to I think he went in the first round to the Saints. So I watched, and it caught my eye because he was a Pac twelve player, obviously, who had just had a very nice game when he came into town. And I, I, on there, you had uh, uh, Berman, probably, and Mel Kuyper. And they also had Ray Lewis. And I always loved Ray Lewis because everything he has to say has to be as profound as could possibly be. And, and I'm wondering, what happened to Ray Lewis in his broadcasting career? You don't, unless I'm mistaken, you don't see him out there on any, any network, do you? Well, they kind of kept it quiet, but they had big rounds of layoffs, but they didn't announce. And so some guys would come out and announce what happened. And because football is kind of a seasonal thing, although granted, <laughs> the NFL on ESPN isn't quite so seasonal. I think he just, I think they realigned the teams and had some layoffs and he just vaporized. It's, you know, as an ex athlete, there's always another ex athlete coming along. So. A few of them beat the odds and do it for a long yeah. time, but uh, you know I don't I don't know guys guys just seem to come and go. Well, I think he was on the Monday night thing, and I know Steve Young used to look at him sometimes like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> because he would try to be so deep and profound at all times, and I actually found it he wasn't intending it to be, but I actually found it entertaining. So I miss him in this profound way to get me deep thinking and say something that is so so outrageous and uh, I can see why he's no longer involved in it and then I've decided what I'm going to do is when I flick over the Pac-12 network and they've got a game from last year I'm watching the game I'm going to watch some of the games now and last night it was Washington Washington State and the reason why I'm going to watch the games is to see, particularly if it's not a senior quarterback or a quarterback is going to leave. Now, in the case of Washington and Washington State, you had a senior quarterback for the Cougs, and then you had a quarterback in Eason who's uh, leaving for the NFL. So it's not a returning quarterback. But I thought there's stuff there that I'm looking for, guys who were underclassmen coming back this season, whenever this season is, and then maybe I can hone in on these guys a little bit more to see, to try to draw some more knowledge about the way they play. 
you know, some receivers out there that I can make some mental notes of, okay, this kid looked good in this game and he's coming back this next season. So whether or not Utah plays them, obviously if the Utes play them, it's a plus. But even still, they don't have to be playing somebody uh, that particular year, depending on who the schedule is in the north. Obviously in the south, they're going to play everybody every year. But maybe I could get some more information on some running backs and some things that either I've forgotten or I wasn't paying as much of attention to uh, at the time that I could use for show purposes and just for knowledge purposes. So I've decided that in the evenings, and because I don't think they play them during the course of the day, uh, that uh, I'll have to check. I'm not usually not. I'm more on the internet during the daytime, the afternoon hours, and more television because that's just the way it's been for us and our jobs now for many, many years. Get information via the the net during the afternoon, and then in the evening you're watching games to be prepared for the next day. So I've decided that I'm going to start watching, definitely watching these games and making some mental and probably even some literal notes about underclassmen that we're going to see next year. Now, tonight that won't be the case because tonight's the NFL draft. And I can honestly say I've never been more geeked about the NFL draft than I am tonight. <laughs> Just because there's no playoff basketball. <laughs> That's the reason. Exactly. I, I can usually blow yes, off the draft totally. and watch and watch a game or games and then go to the draft and watch the ticker go by and see the four or five you of know, course. picks I've missed. And the thing is, this year's different because we're probably going to have two local guys go in the first round. I think the odds are really good that they'll that both Jalen Johnson and Jordan Love will go in the first round. Either guy might slide out of it, but I think overwhelmingly they'll, they'll both end up in it. Um, so it's different. There's no game and there's two local guys in the first round. Usually there is a game that really matters. And there are no local guys in the first round. So it, it's just a different time. As far as Eason, I've seen him in the mock drafts, and he's doing pretty well, but I don't think he'll go in the opening round. He's pretty much seems to be, the consensus seems to be he'll be a second or third round guy. And it only takes one team to love you, and quarterbacks drop. So I don't know that for sure. But I'm expecting that he's a Friday night draft pick. Uh, I would agree with that. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. He's got a big arm, all sorts of potential. He's got the size. Uh, he's kind of like uh, he's sort of basically like a Jordan Love, without uh, as much proof. Jordan played a number of seasons, and this kid didn't. So you know, he started over there. Was back in Georgia, and then he's from actually from the Seattle area, I believe, and then came home, played this last season. Didn't have the record-wise, obviously, wasn't a killer season. And, and he threw that huge interception, game-changing interception that Jalen Johnson had to pick six for down the sideline, down Utah's sideline in that game. And I was at that game, and that changed being on the sidelines then. That changed everything. When he made that pick, it was like, okay, they've got this game. Because they needed, at the time, that was a huge, huge game. And it was a huge win either way. I mean, I had, uh, I had staff members come up to me you know as they takes them a few minutes to get off the field and get in the locker room so you're just sort of mingling there that's the fun thing uh not so much at home because there's family members and whatnot but on the road there's not as many and i seem like on the road when i'm covering games and the game's over and there's that like 50 yard walk in the locker room you get people will come up to you and say some stuff and uh, I remember one guy came up to me and said, man, 
this is our biggest road win. We finally got this done. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely true. That was a big-time road win that they needed, and they cleared that hurdle. Reminded me when Bronco was building his program down in uh, Fort Worth, and they got that win against TCU, and that was the biggest win they had on the road at the time, and that set them up. And then, then you know, they had a, a few after that, but they needed that one. They hadn't had that one. They got that one at Washington, and that was a huge win for those guys at that time to be able to say, hey, we went into a big-time program in a big-time atmosphere and got it done on the road, which and now they need to do that. They can't do that this next season. But the following season, they need to get that done uh, down in the Coliseum at some point uh, to beat those guys. Now, they've come close. Obviously, they come within, within a foot. You know, They've been right there. Uh, uh, a number of times, but they haven't been able to get that thing done down in the Coliseum yet. And they'll, they'll get there eventually. But yeah, watching these Pac-12 games to see if I can gain some information that we can use, I think that's what I'm going to start doing because I've just decided that this week it makes sense to start doing it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles at 830. Stay with us.